Welcome to Pass the Mic. In this episode, Jordan and Lauren, fourth-year child and youth care students, bring attention to the way sexism plays out in child and youth care environments. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Jordan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to be back and chatting. Yes, I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah. Okay, so sexism in sports video. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want to talk about it? You want to talk about what happened yes, and why we're here? So we should maybe we should say we're in third year. Yes. We're in third year. We're third year students and um this year looks super different. We're online. So there's like yes. that whole you know, keyboard warrior mentality. We're safer behind the screens. Mm -hmm. Which (laughs) makes for a lot of interesting conversations in class. 100%. So as we're learning about cultural humility, intersectionality, post-structuralism, we have a final presentation to do. So in class, Anna decides to show us an example of what the final presentation could maybe look like. Um, And the topic just so happened to be sexism in sports. She wasn't showing it to us because of the topic. She was showing it to us because of the quality of the presentation. Is that right, Jordan? I I think so. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And that sparked some really interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, We should say that our particular cohort in this class, we had the four guys in the program in this class, right? So I think that's really important because how many people were in this class, 18 or something like that? And we had Mm -hmm. four males, and I think there's only five males. It's very female-dominated. Yes. Um, But we did have most of the guys in our class. And as the video's playing, there's some interesting sidebar conversations going on in the chat over Zoom. Mm -hmm. And instead of talking about the quality of the presentation or questions about the assignment, a full-blown debate about sexism in sports starts happening. (laughs) 100%. And it was not, I didn't feel like it was received super well it was very split and there seemed to be a lot of like misinterpretation on the guys from the women right and I think I know I felt really upset by it and it just like the points I was trying to make were not coming through and then it turned into a full-blown discussion outside of the chat bar after the video was shown yeah yeah and I don't know if we really want to get into the specifics there was conversation about hockey and why the guys in our class who watch hockey only watch the men's because it's considered the main Mm -hmm. um source of hockey where women hockey is not and there was a conversation around why that is it's the main hockey team because it's the men's team instead of what I felt and I know a lot of other of the female classmates felt was 
just really unheard. Here we are watching a video about women's experiences in sports. People are sharing their experiences and the men in the class are sort of almost arguing it. Yeah, it felt very minimizing. That Through that feeling of being minimized, that's where we moved into you and I kind of connecting and having these deeper conversations about it because I don't think it was an intentional behavior from the guys in the program. Like, I don't think they were being mean on purpose and they were just really talking from their, their experiences without listening to our experiences. And so you and I connected and decided that what better way to continue this conversation was to do our case study on sexism, Mm -hmm. specifically in CYC. And that was very scary for us, as excited as we were. And I think there's a whole other conversation that could be had around why that is so scary for us. Even in a female-dominated industry or program like CYC, we still are nervous and hesitant to voice our opinions yeah and I think it's really interesting as women in this field that we're still looking for the validation from the guys and we don't want to make them angry or you know so yeah 100% and I think Anna was really supportive through it as we were having these discussions about like, do we need to have disclosures in it? Do we need to talk about how we're not trying to offend people? And she was really good about just being like, be organic. Let's, let's see what happens. And we kind of ultimately decided that, no, this was our truth. And we got to, we got to talk about it, how we wanted to talk about it. And I mean, we, you and I are both white females, so we can only talk about what we know and that's being female in this particular setting. We we weren't talking about racism and queer identities and all of that because that is such another intersection for the sexism. Exactly. In these fields, right? And we were really talking from our own truths. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to acknowledge because we can't speak on the experience of people of color or women of color, I should say, or trans women, women of color or disabled women. We're able-bodied, um, we're white. So we have to acknowledge that privilege as well, for sure. Exactly. And so we start this process of creating this, this video and we try to keep it light and a little bit tongue in cheek and, I think it ultimately really helped some acceptance come and now we're here. So now we're sitting and recording this podcast. We've got the first big scary thing under our belt where we really kind of called out the big problems we see and now we get to talk about it some more and why sexism is an important topic in female dominated fields. It was so well received, our video, which Mm -hmm. I want to note because 
Jordan, you mentioned we initially had a disclaimer at the beginning, beginning of the video saying like, this is just our experience. If we think differently, something along those lines. Um, yeah. And yeah, we were really nervous about it. And then when we play our video in class and all of the guys are giving us great feedback, yeah. it was um, shocking because we were not expecting that, especially considering how the um, conversation around sex and sexism and sports went. <clears throat> yeah. So. And was, also from the girls, like the girls accepted yeah. it pretty well too, for the most part. And that was something else we were really worried about because disagreements, like women don't all feel the same way about this. And there's a whole, that is a whole nother layer of stuff we can talk about and mm-hmm. how misogyny and the patriarchy has kind of shaped even women's identities amongst themselves. Yeah, so it went it went much better than expected. And I think we had a, a collective sigh of relief. Definitely, yes. Um, and then it was really inspiring. And I'm glad we get to do this podcast now because we were saying even if our video changed one person's mind, then yep. it was successful. And I think it did that, if not more than one person. Something that stood out to me from the men's response is they can see how their previous thinking and previous ways of communicating with us have been I don't really know what the word is maybe minimizing mm-hmm. and uh ignorant yeah and I was not expecting that to come from the men especially when we live in a society where fragile masculinity is so prevalent and yeah. men in my experience a lot of men have a hard time acknowledging if they're wrong about something. So it yeah. was just a really nice surprise to see the men of our class be supportive in that. So, yeah, I think, and just going back to this whole like women dominated field, I think we see a tokenism almost of the men in the field because, oh, if they're in this field, they must be super caring and com- compassionate and a lot of them are 100%. Like we ha- we're really lucky to have the guys in the program that we do because they do bring so much. But at the same time, we look at our current faculty and there's currently one male professor and I'm guilty of it myself of, high- of holding him at this super high regard because wow, he's done so much research and he's got so much stuff published and it's, I didn't realize how many strong female instructors that we really have that have the same, if not more, and we minimize it. And it's also because that's what our, that's what we learn. Our, up to this point, we've had a lot of male experiences through developmental learning, um, substance abuse like all of that kind of stuff is all for the most part by male academics right Mm -hmm. and so it's really kind of drilled into our head that men are special men are great men are amazing Mm -hmm. and I'm guilty of it myself is minimizing the women around us like Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I can definitely attest to the um, tokenizing of men in this field. Just in even thinking about my previous practicums, mm -hmm. I was in a group home with 12 children, both um, girls and boys. They were six to 12 years old. It was definitely mostly female staff. And we, there was a really high turnover rate. It was a really, um, so we would maybe have one or two male staff members at a time. And I remember them listening to them talking about needing men, needing men, needing men. And of course, I think that young boys and girls do need to have the experience of men, but they're definitely so tokenized in the field along with learning about androgynous perspectives. All of our theories are male dominated. We're looking at mm -hmm. Piaget, Erickson, Bronfen Brenner, they're all males. And I can't think of a theory that we've learned that has been from a woman. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong, but I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. And I think not to the fault of CYC because that's how it is in the patriarch patriarchal society. But I think it's important to note that CYC is extremely inclusive. But because of the patriarchy, it's impossible not to have sexism or misogynistic viewpoints coming through. I'm just like, so I'm just gonna, I'm sitting with that for a minute, because when you just just now said CYC is super inclusive. I kind of had like a visceral like, mm, no, really? no, I think we try to be, but I don't, I think this is a problem that has been talked about before. And I think we look at CYC not only in when we talk about sexism, but when we talk about like gender identity and all this too, is we have this really strong narrative of wanting to be inclusive, but the work actually isn't being done to be inclusive. And I think that's, for me, part of why this was such an important conversation to have, because mm -hmm. I started this program six, seven years ago, right? And then I took a big break off. And in that six, seven years, yes, there was definite change, but, the, but it's still very similar in a lot of what we're learning. And and that doesn't lead to the idea of like growth and inclusivity, right? In my, in my mind, um, I think if we were really talking about being inclusive and in all of this, we would be, there would be a lot more work and growth being done. And I think that's why it's so important to have this conversation because we can just say, oh yeah, sexism exists and we're trying to be inclusive. And then just like leaving it at that and by not mm -hmm. calling it out and being like 90% of your students or whatever it is, is women, but we're only teaching men about men and 90% of your students are women, but all of the research done to this point has been done on men. And you look at autism, for example, and it's harder mm -hmm. for girls to get diagnosed because they, they're, they're different than men. And we see only men the research has been done on boys, right? And we're also not, I don't feel like we're prepared 
when we go into field because like so my first placement was at a group home that was all boys and again most of the staff were females and the youth were super derogatory towards females and it was normalized the worst that was going to happen was the kids were going to have to write an apology letter but they could say really sexualized stuff and really awful things to women and it just be like you can't talk to me that way right I think that's the sh- that's a shortfall and I don't know you you can obviously disagree 100 percent. it's just yeah as you kind of said that that was the like initial like feeling I had I think where that comes from in me saying that CYC is extremely inclusive in that regard is just my previous life experience and how mm-hmm. I was raised in a small town in an extremely conservative religious family. So coming to CYC from that, I've learned right. so much. So I, that just, to me, there's still so much I do need to learn and I, there's still a lot of things that I don't recognize at first, but yeah, what I guess I meant by that is saying that CYC is probably attempts to be attempts to be much more inclusive than other fields or other Mm -hmm. just society in general. But I totally agree with you in the sense that there's still so much that needs to be done and just acknowledging things and then maybe not having action Mm-hmm. is maybe lacking I don't know how that would be navigated around but no I agree with you for sure yeah I, I mean I also I, I also agree with you because I also grew up super conservative and looking at this program compared to like engineering or something like that we are totally more inclusive I think part of the reason why our video was received so well is because at least the men in the program are more aware of their privilege than other men and when we attempt to call out sexism on social platforms that doesn't get received as well because there's a lot of men and women who aren't as aware most Mm -hmm. likely of how deeply rooted misogyny actually is and so we know me and you firsthand of how we can get ourselves into a little bit of trouble by calling it out yeah so the big difference Lauren and I have found through these conversations is that while in the moment the guys in the program may not be super receptive to what's happening I mean I I think it's a very like don't realize that we're trying to have these conversations and things are being minimized is when we've called out in injustices or things that maybe are not injustice isn't the right word um things that don't sit well with us in other environments men don't take it nearly as well and there was a particular incident where there was a meme pitting girls against each other and we were having a discussion about it in a fairly large facebook group and Lauren had just been like, hey, this kind of made me feel uncomfortable, but I'm wondering if anybody else feels this way. And lots of people were like, yeah, no, this made me feel uncomfortable. Like this, this is rooted misogyny. And, and I was in there kind of being like the keyboard warrior being like, I got your back, Lauren. And like trying to educate people and call people out. And I was called a man hater 
by not only men, but, but women for being, for really just calling out how this actually felt misogynistic and how this kind of goes to show how deep-rooted sexism is in our everyday life and society when we think it's okay to pit girls against each other. Even in our everyday life, having conversations with even my partner about how this is like not great and it's going back to hockey. Well, his answer is like, well, women's hockey just sucks. They play against 14-year-old boys. Why is that valid? Why is that a point? Like this particular sexism in the sports video, I think it came at a very interesting time and that's really the spark that it gave us because not only are we behind our screens, but we're also seeing so much social change needing to happen right now. When you add women to anything, you're immediately considered less than. Definitely. I can't speak to how that might play out. As we're kind of adventuring, getting closer to fourth year and moving into these work environments, really questioning what our role looks like and how do we create the same safety for women in our program that we already have in place for men? And how do we become a more inclusive program? Really being aware of that and calling it out when we see it and how do we create that safety? And that was something we tried to do solely on sexism in our video was just kind of asking for allyship from the men something that's going on right now is not all men but almost all women and how does that change right and I think that as you mention or as you question how do we become how do we take the steps to become more inclusive and more just more inclusive towards any marginalized group but what's disappointing and almost a little bit scary is that that change comes with men Yep. So we can advocate as much as we want. We can raise as much awareness as possible. But because we're in a patriarchal society and men are in these positions of power, real change won't start until they get on board. Yeah. And that goes into the whole capitalism and the way... Our entire society is set up and we see this white, predominantly white males, rich, straight males in these positions of power that don't acknowledge that with power comes responsibility. Like it makes me think back to when COVID first really blew up and Kenny, uh, who's our current premier, who said that he was elected, but he wasn't elected to deal with this. Like he wasn't elected to deal with COVID, but he is, was in that position of power and he did not, or he doesn't want the responsibility that comes with it. And I think that's something that we see is I can acknowledge the power that I have being white. That is a huge amount of power and how I choose to use that power and privilege is really important. If you don't acknowledge the power and privilege that you have, you continue the cycle. So like going back again to the guys in their program, not acknowledging, and that's where the implicit comes from, right? Not knowing that there's a power associated with it. That power is also, that power is also really praised 
because we say, oh, there's men in our program. We're so lucky to have you here. We're so happy you're here. And we are. But it's that power is not being called out and acknowledged and said, hey, you have a lot of power right now. How are you going to help us? It's not doing anything. I'm Jordan. My parents named me Jordan because at the time it was a boy's name. And they wanted to make sure that whenever email went through or whatever application came across on these desks, they would at least have to give me a chance for the interview because they didn't know if I was a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. Mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Mind-blowing. It's really interesting because by saying they have privilege, that doesn't mean that they've never gone through anything tough in their lives. That's by no means what anybody is trying to say. So I think there needs to be a stronger emphasis on what that means. Some of the men in our program are, I know, are taking it the wrong way. And I think that's why we're so stuck. And because these men don't see our experiences, oftentimes have a really hard time listening to our experiences, they don't understand it. So they just write it off and say, this isn't actually happening because it doesn't happen to me. Even if you are a man and you consider yourself an ally and you agree that there are women's issues, discrimination, sexism, all of that, but you don't say or do anything about it, or you don't call out problematic behavior, that's allowing it to happen. And I think we've seen that a little bit in our male classmates with certain people where they won't stand up. And maybe that is a trauma response. If they've had certain things happen in their life, maybe they're not as comfortable coming forward. Maybe they just don't want to stir up stuff and cause trouble. But when you are allowing something to happen, you are almost saying it's okay. Mm -hmm. And that it's not that big of a deal and people really aren't being affected by this. And I don't think there is a need to voice my opinion. Yeah, 100%. And... I mean, when after the video, when we were kind of having this conversation with the guys and there was definitely some of that light bulb moment being like, you're right. I can see how at certain times in my life this happened and I wasn't aware of it, but I'm aware of it now. One of them said that they had, they had wished that something like this had to come out sooner in the program. Like here we are entering fourth year. We've already been in this program for three years. We've had, and I know three years isn't isn't that long of time but in this program so much growth and change Mm -hmm. occurs and there's so much self-work that comes and really learning how to use your agency and I agree with that like it's a shame that we didn't have this conversation sooner and I don't feel like if this had been an in-person class we would have had this conversation because yes we're predominantly female but we're still concerned about the implication that comes from saying this. And it's, it's way scarier in a classroom. You're, when you're in real life, like real life, again, you really can see how people are taking it. And I think most people in this program are super empathetic and compassionate and they really don't want to upset people. And so knowing that you're upsetting people and you're kind of shattering a potential core belief that someone has that can be really damaging to a relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I can sit and I can 
acknowledge some of the biases I carry and those are hard when I acknowledge them myself, let alone when someone else says something to me and to spend your whole life going, no, I love women. I'm, I like support women or I think women are great and I'm, I really want to help people. And that's why I'm in this field to be like, you are still better than me because I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that we even have to have these conversations. And it's honestly, it sucks that it's university. And these are the conversations that we're having. Like, these are things that should be happening in grade school. Like, talking about colors. Colors having gender. Like, that's mind-blowing. It's a color. There being girl toys and boy toys. That's, again, Mm mind-blowing. We see so much of this every single day in all of our, in every part of society that when you see someone who's been sexually assaulted, it's the woman's fault that there was a sexual assault, right? You were drunk. You shouldn't have been drunk. You should have been out alone. Um, That young lady that I can't remember her name right now, she was killed walking home and she did all of the right stuff. She had her keys between her fingers. She called her boyfriend. She was well lit and then she was killed. What are we supposed to do? Going back to what you said at the start there, when you mentioned the genderization of toys, colors, that's so, you're right, that's so mind-boggling to me how a a piece of plastic can be for a girl or a boy, you know? But I wonder how that plays a role in socializing us so that we, we have learned these social norms and our expectations based on our gender in order to support capitalism. When we look at the pink tax and how, just thinking of razors as an example, women's razors are exactly the same as men's. They're just a girl color and they're more expensive, but it's the same product. 100%. Yeah. And so I think that people are making money off of gender roles, sexism, and I don't think we'll see a total abolishment of sexism and misogyny under capitalism because so many men are making money off of it. But you can go to bars and get condoms for free or they pass out condoms like candy when you go to the doctor's office, even at McEwen. I went to the doctor's office there and they were like, here, take all these condoms. And I was like, why don't you give me birth control? (laughs) Tampons, right? But that's normal. Mm -hmm. right? We've normalized that because that's how you make money. There is no way that a box of tampons should cost almost as much as a box of diapers. Like, and I know that's not the same, but also it's the same. Like, it's cheaper to buy condoms than it is to buy pregnancy tests. Women have to pay for birth control. And if you're lucky, birth control has got some coverage, but it still costs money. We're not doing anything to, oh, it's just so mind-blowing to me. Like, and that's what it comes from. It's, it's the money. It is money. It is money and it is power. Mm-hmm. And we, as women, are never going to have the same privilege, power, whatever, because of men keeping power. Mm-hmm. And that's not to mention the money they make off of Diet culture, diet oh. supplements, um, places like Jenny Craig, 
because of how the media portrays what an ideal woman should look like. Alberta's new curriculum that they're trying to pass come out with teaching kids how to count calories. So that just continues that whole idea that big pharma needs to make money. Women need to not feel good. And yes, obviously men feel those same struggles, but I've never heard a man be told you're too emotional. You can't be in this position of power because it's, you're emotional. Looking at, at periods again and the inequality that comes from just having your period. Like if a man sliced their finger open, for example, and we're bleeding everywhere, everybody would be like, oh my God, go home. But women were like, oh, you're fine. You, you can't take time off. I don't care if your cramps are really terrible. Like you need to be here and you're not allowed to be emotional and you're not allowed to say that you're upset and you're not actually allowed to talk about being on your period because it makes me feel uncomfortable as a man. Yeah. It's pretty crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. In addition as well, if you read the comments on CTV news, sharing on Facebook, tampons are now free in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. The men that get so angry about that on, in the comments is kind of crazy to me. I don't understand where that anger comes from, how they're even affected by it at all, <laughs> that, period, that tampons and pads are free. I think it might be they can sense they're losing a little bit of that power that they hold. And it's, it's just really uh, disappointing to see when somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's husband is commenting angry that women now have access to these things for free. We brought it up in our video. We said we had our like male character say something like, I just thought you might need a my doll before we continued. We were uncomfortable at that idea at first of saying that because like, oh my God, we're calling something out. And watching the men when that came up, it was like a little bit of like, there was uncomfortableness there that we even considered bringing up a period. That is like part of being a woman. And in, especially in a female dominated field, if we can't be comfortable, wow, this person is maybe a little bit emotional this week. And I'm going to like, instead of being uncomfortable by it, I'm going to say, what do you need? How can I support you? Do you need help with something? Could I bring you a chocolate bar, like, you know, instead of just being like, well, they're really bitchy this week. And I'm not saying that the guys in our program do that, but that's normalized. Right. Right. I can't call work every single month and be like, I, I have my period. I can't come to work for the next two mm-hmm. days because my cramps are going to be really bad. Yeah. I can't do that. I'll lose my job. Well, and I wonder if that's part of the reason for wage disparity. Women are some women who have really, really bad periods or even legitimate conditions like endometriosis, if they have to take time off, that's part of maybe the excuse for not paying women as much. Yeah. And it's super unfair because we did not ask for this. (laughs) No. And I wonder when this all changed. Like this goes back to uh, colonization. Because when you look at other cultures, when women were bleeding, it was a time of rest, right? And it was your special time. It was like, it was okay to just like sit down and relax and be like, I'm not well right now. 
Yeah. And people like supported that. And now it's changed to be something wrong and disgusting because it makes men uncomfortable. And because it makes men uncomfortable. I don't know how many women I've talked to who are also uncomfortable about it and talking about it because it's not normalized. Just like it's not normalized to have body hair, for example. Right. Women aren't supposed to have body hair. And yes, it's changing. And people are like more accepting about it. But also I shave my legs and armpits. Because if I don't shave my legs and armpits, not only are the men going to think I'm gross, but the girls are going to think I'm gross too. And maybe mm-hmm. someone will think I'm depressed. And why is this continuing to happen? And why is this, especially in female-dominated programs and fields, there should be something in it to support these changes. And it shouldn't be about protecting masculinity. Something that was brought up as well, we did have a outside of class discussion with one of the men in our class, and he did bring up the fact how certain male classmates of ours are scared to say their opinion because they have a fear of what he called it was that mob mentality of all mm-hmm. the women ganging up on the men or whatever. What I had a problem with in saying that is it's not our responsibility to make sure our men are comfortable when they have an opinion that contributes to oppression. And I think that if they are scared to say a certain opinion, then they should check their privilege about it. Because if you think that the women are going to come and attack you for that opinion, then maybe you should consider why you have that certain opinion, you know, like it's not our job as women to make sure that the men are comfortable as we're calling out sexism. We have been conditioned that it is our job to make men comfortable. And it is our job to make sure that men are successful and happy. And if a man is not successful and happy, somehow that is a reflection on my actions as a woman. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Mm -hmm. Yes. And then that conversation, I remember sitting there too being like, oh, did I attack somebody? Like, how can I make them more comfortable? And it's not only men that are the problem. Unfortunately, it's women too, that lots of women also don't even see it because it's so ingrained. And depending on where you are in life, you don't see how it's a problem because maybe you grew up in a super, super conservative home like I did and you did where men are kind of held at this higher regard. And if you're still in that super conservative environment, then yeah, men are at a higher regard and the women who speak out about it are the problem. They're liars. They're manipulative. They're all of those words that are derogatory. We've been so socialized into thinking that this is normal and that this is equality when it isn't. And then we face those words that you mentioned. There's the words calculating, um, spiteful, which I believe you were called, all those words that I don't hear get used in a male context. Yeah. Vindictive, right? Spiteful, vindictive. Yes. But even again, going back to our video, when we were creating our characters, you said one of my favorite colors are pink, green, and yellow, right? I believe. And you said, but should there be pink in it? Because I don't want it to be too feminine. And I remember just being like, yeah, it should all be pink now. Right. 
This is, that's a problem. Pink's an amazing right. color. Right? Because we didn't want to become overly feminine. And we tried to be super tongue-in-cheek about it. And But we had a lot of discussions about, is this offensive? Is this, like, will someone be upset about this? Like, is this too... We had a comment in there about, like, butts are bodacious or boobs are bodacious or whatever. And I was like, oh, are we sexualizing this? And it's like, no. Right? Yeah. We can only start where we are right now. So we can have these conversations in our... We can only have these conversations in the fields we are right now. And so you and I can have these conversations and be really, really like proactive and really use our agency and talk about these intersections and that we are experiencing right now as a CYC worker and a student. I can talk about them as a mom and a student. I can talk about, I really like girly, girly air quotation things, but I am still a feminist, right? But I not feeling guilty about that because you can be both, right? You can be a feminist and still considered feminine. And I think there's that disconnect. It's like, you can't say you're a feminist. And also that whole, there's a whole thing about what feminism actually is, but you can't be a feminist and still like makeup or because you're continuing the societal views that we have to look a certain way for how are we going to continue this as we go into fourth year? Like, are we going to continue these conversations? Are we going to like actually try to create change? Is there guys in the program that are coming in for a second, third year? Like we don't know. We haven't been on campus in a year, but if there are, how do we have these conversations with them? Because they need to be had because we're just going to continue to have the same things moving forward. Right. 100%. I think for any men who are listening to this, all we can say is continue to check your privilege. Yeah. Know that having privilege doesn't mean you don't have hardships in life and that you don't go through hard stuff. Try to be an ally as much as you can. Um, Mm -hmm. Stand up if you see a problematic behavior or statement don't argue with your female counterparts when they're sharing their experiences with you. Mm-hmm. Don't say not all men. And That's our favorite phrase. <laughs> it's, and it's okay to admit mistakes. It's okay to lose power. It's okay to acknowledge privilege. It's okay to disagree. Those are all things that are that are okay because you know what the moment you start to kind of acknowledge power that you have and you start to be like I'm going to use my power for something different so much other stuff happens and changes and doors open and don't think of it as losing something right you can't think of it as as a man I'm going to use my I'm going to lose some of my power and accept the fact that I'm going to give up something so that a woman has something else as a collective, it becomes so much better, right? Think of all of the growth that we could have had in the world if women had been afforded the same chances as men. Mm-hmm. Think of how much farther forward in life we would have gone if that was the case. And how much have we missed out on? And be a part of that change, right? And let's change that narrative from 
not all men, but almost all women to all men, all women, right? Like, obviously not in the negative connotation, but all women have the same chance. All men have the same chance. Women are capable. Men are capable. Let's remove that stigma that men can't be in helping fields or it's weird that a man would choose to be in a helping position. Let's change the narrative that feminism is bad, that feminists want to be better than men. We just want to be equal. Yeah. Yeah. And acknowledging that with equality, you have to look at equity and we have to put in a little bit to have a chance. We have to create equity. Yeah. And once we create equity, then we can start to talk about equality. Yeah. 